This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we're rolling right along in our adventures in Acts with Paul visits James, Paul arrested in the temple, Paul asks to speak, Paul's story begun, and Paul's story interrupted. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. Lord, open my lips. And my mouth will declare your praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. 
reading from Numbers chapter 14. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me, in spite of all the signs that I have done among them? I will strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them, and I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. But Moses said to the Lord, Then the Egyptians will hear of it, for you brought up this people in your might from among them, and they will tell the inhabitants of this land. They have heard that you, O Lord, are in the midst of this people. For you, O Lord, are seen face to face, and your cloud stands over them, and you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and in a pillar of fire by night. Now if you kill this people as one man, then the nations who have heard your fame will say, it is because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land that he swore to give to them, that he has killed them in the wilderness. And now, please let the power of the Lord be great as you have promised, saying, the Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Please pardon the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your steadfast love, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. O Lord, have mercy on us. Forever, O oh Lord, your word is firmly set in the hands. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Well, it's nice to be in Fort Wayne in September for a change. I'm usually here in January for the symposia. Our symposia in St. Louis was this week. Hint, hint. <laughs> now, I don't make these kinds of decisions. I'm not God. No, but as a couple of months ago, I simply determined the one-year fate of all outgoing St. Louis vicars and deaconess interns, and that's enough authority for me. Now, as much as movies like Bruce Almighty have comically portrayed the challenge of, of being God, it's texts like we have today that move us to rejoice that God is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And Moses, the intercessor, stands between Yahweh and Israel to remind you of that. But actually in our text, to remind Yahweh of that to still his wrath, to remind Yahweh of who he is, not only before Israel, but also 
in the face of the nations. But back up. We don't often get to dig into numbers apart from a few select pericopes like maybe the bronze serpent or even the ironic benediction we receive in the divine service. The book of Numbers is more than the census, although that's certainly part of it. Here we get a picture of Israel in some sense getting themselves together, but not necessarily getting their act together. They get organized under Yahweh's instructions. Worship is centralized in the tabernacle, which also is the center of the camp. And they've been camped out there at Sinai for a little more than a year. But once everything is ready, tabernacle and camp mobile, Passover celebrated, Yahweh's cloud begins to move. Time to go, finally. Now, like I said, they don't necessarily have their act together. The cycle begins again, and it starts with complaining. Then Miriam and Aaron have an envious spat with Moses. The people get overwhelmed from the reports of the uh, folks that went out to spy out the land. And then, of course, comes a rebellion. Yahweh brought us out here to die. Let's pick a new leader and go back to Egypt. Really, after everything God has done, we don't want your promised land. Reject the promise, reject Yahweh. And so you really can't blame him when he says to Moses, how long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs that I've done among them? God has every right to wipe them out. He should wipe them out. I would. Wouldn't you? How often should I forgive my brother? Up to seven times? We're so small-minded. We couldn't be God. You and I are rarely slow to anger. We're right there with Israel, quick to complain, quick to forget. How long have many of you been camped out here in Fort Wayne, students? Some of you a few years, some of you a few months. Frustrated yet with the hard work of classes, trimming your budgets to the bare minimum to cover the bills while here, tired yet? Some of you just got back from Vicarage. Maybe it wasn't all Dr. Peppercorn promised it would be. Or maybe it was so good that you just really didn't want to come back. Why did you bring me here, Lord? To kill me with books and papers? <laughs> In some way, your ministry is your promised land. Will I ever get there? Why does the road have to be so hard? <laughs> Buckle up. You ain't seen nothing yet. Wait until the initial joy of that first call begins to fade and things get hard. And even there, you may very well say, Lord, why did you bring me here? Take me back to Fort Wayne. Take me back to when life was good and our steins overflowed with beer. Moses has much to teach us. If anyone should have thrown in the towel, it's Moses. He's had it with Israel too, and Yahweh puts quite the offer on the table. He says to Moses, I'll strike them with the pestilence, and I'll disinherit them, and I'll make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. What a deal. But no, the faithful intercessor steps in. Moses intercedes for Israel. 
He's the pastor you and I should be when shepherding a wayward flock. And what does Moses do? He pleads for these ungrateful sheep, but certainly not on the basis of who they are, not on the basis of who he is. He holds Yahweh to his name. If you destroy them, Lord, Egypt will see, and they will tattletale. And then what? What will they know of you? If Israel is dead, her God is dead too. And everything that has happened is so that Israel may know, and Egypt may know, and all nations may know that you, Yahweh, are God. There's something so much bigger going on here. It's bigger than Israel herself, bigger than the land that Yahweh will give to Israel. Israel's on the world stage, and the whole reason God brought Israel to this land is so that through his Israel, through the promised seed, he can bring all nations to himself, that they can live under him and rejoice in his teaching, the Torah, and so live in his righteousness and peace. So Yahweh forgives. It's who he is. It's what he does. But we can't ignore what else Moses says. Yahweh will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Yes, Yahweh pardons, but he also brings judgment to those who reject him. And that judgment will come. Hardly any of that generation who came out of Egypt entered the promised land. Not even Moses got to go in as we see a few chapters later in Numbers. But through that judgment, Yahweh refines his people, and he really is up to something bigger, bigger than Israel, bigger than the land, bigger than Moses. But today, Moses is the one who points you to what or who is greater. In the midst of your grumbling, in the midst of your impatience, your tantrums, Moses reminds you that God's judgment is real. What God gives, he can take away in a moment. Repent. But Moses, the intercessor, assures you that your God is true to his name for you. Of that, you can be certain. Moses stands between God and his people, pleading for them. He even bears God's judgment somewhat on himself. But there's a greater intercessor to come, one who stands between you and God, one who has borne the full load of God's wrath over your sin by dying on the cross. There's an intercessor for you. He is the true Israel. Yahweh refines his Israel to raise up this great intercessor through whom God brings you to himself. And in Jesus, in whose death and resurrection you are baptized, God is true to his name for you. He pardons your iniquity according to the greatness of his steadfast love in his Son. He's in your midst, face to face, though veiled in water, bread and wine. And now the great intercessor stands over you and goes before you, even as you are on the world stage, carrying out your vocation, the Christ living in you, you bearing his name, before the nations. In a way, you'll always be camped out and on the move in this world. That's life under the cross. But in Jesus, who bore the cross for you, you have one who continually pleads to the Father for you, and now by his Spirit, all, that, all of that complaining turns to confessing, confessing the great name of Jesus 
on that world stage as you walk in his ways each and every day so that all may know and believe and confess his great name in heaven and on earth. In the name of Jesus, amen.
O Lord, hear my prayer. In our prayers, we remember seminarian Samuel Smith and his family as they mourn the death of his father, Stephen. We also remember seminarian Jordan DeBoer and his family as they mourn the death of his grandfather, Francis. Let us pray. O God, our refuge and strength, the author of all godliness, hear the devout prayers of your church, especially in times of persecution and grant that what we ask in faith we may obtain. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Lord God, maker of heaven and earth and giver of life, we thank you for all the mercies you granted to our brothers, Stephen and Francis, during their earthly lives, especially for calling them to faith in Jesus Christ. Comfort Samuel, Jordan, and all the survivors who mourn their deaths with the hope of the glorious resurrection and a joyful reunion in heaven. Keep us mindful that we are mortal so that we will ever be prepared to die in the faith and finally receive the glory promised to all who trust in your beloved Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, you have safely brought us to the beginning of this day. Defend us in the same with your mighty power and grant that this day we fall into no sin neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by your governance, may be righteous in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all.